it's your boy Jimmy Jernigan, and this is Dodos Wood Podcast. What's going on, people? It's your boy, J-Dose, a.k.a. Jimmy Jernigan. And today, we have a very special guest. We have Aaron Golb. Aaron became the first legally blind athlete to play football in Division One in a Division One game when he was at Tulane University, captain his senior year, and also went on to become an NFL free agent. We had a great conversation about a lot of motivational things, you know, planning, executing, creating value, not giving up pushing through, staying positive, keeping a positive mindset, controlling the controllables, his struggles with being legally blind and some of the things I could relate to as also being legally blind in one eye. It was a great conversation. I'm excited for you guys to hear this. So let's get right into it. All right. We are now just joined by Mr. Aaron Golub. Aaron, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, first legally blind D1 athlete, former NFL free agent, overcame a lot so far. What, 23 years? How old are you now? 24. 24. I'm actually blind in one eye, too. I got uh, legally blind amblyopia. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Very cool. Yeah, and I played lacrosse up at Keene State, but you played, you spent your time as a long snapper at Tulane University down in Louisiana. Tell me how a kid from Boston made his way down to Tulane and ended up playing on a D1 football team, legally blind. For how I ended up there, it was really about who gave me the opportunity. And I was talking to schools all around the country, and you know there were only a couple of Division One schools that were giving me that shot, and Tulane was the best fit for me. So that's that's why I ended up there. But then backtrack the the reason why I was able to play Division One football is because of the work that I did that other people did. To be honest, it's really not that hard to achieve a goal, and you know, whether that be playing college football, it doesn't necessarily need to be division one football because for sure, in any sport, you know, there's obviously you have to work really hard, but you also have to be athletic and whatever it is. But the point of the matter is I could have just practiced at practice every day and, you know, gone lifted weights every once in a while, like most of my teammates, but I chose to get up at 5am every day and to go practice long snapping. I chose to lift weights every single day after school and on the weekends. And it was really just those decisions that led me down the path to be able to get to Tulane. Now, when you first got diagnosed being legally blind, was it at a very young age or did it see mine came in about third grade and then I found out and then I went from it from there. But did the doctors always know when, since you were a kid, since you were born, you had it? Yeah. So mine's a little different than yours. I was born with it. And so I've really never known anything different, which, you know, is good and bad, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I've never known anything different. And, and my opinion is that you can't change the past. So make the most out of your situation. And, and, you know, you or I or anyone who has some sort of disability like that can accomplish anything that they want. There's no reason that you can't do that. And so taking your situation and making the most of it is really what I talk about and I coach on and speak about. Yeah, and you talk about creating value. What value do you look to bring now after your football time is up? What are you doing now with your time? Yeah, it's really just about sharing the lessons, the stories that, that, that I learned throughout my career. You know, I'm speaking now. I speak at companies, events, teams all over. I have a podcast that I just started about a few weeks ago, actually, so it's pretty new. Blind Ambition, really right? Yeah. 
I also do coaching um, and, and working with people on their mentality, their mindset, and helping them to transform themselves to achieve a, a greater goal and accomplish what they're set out to do. Now, your doctor, I read, made these goggles where it simulates what your vision would look like in the, in the eyes of someone else. People have always asked me, you know, what is it like when I tell them that I'm legally blind? Well, what can you see? Or they hold up three fingers or five fingers. Oh, could you see this or that? Tell me some things that you've heard back from your teammates, friends, when they tried on these goggles and actually see what you're seeing through their eyes. Man, it's, it's interesting because we would always have to get guys put them on to see if they could walk around the locker room or catch a football or whatever it may be. And it was really funny because they realized it was you know, really hard or, or a lot more difficult or had certain challenges that they didn't expect. And I think it was great. It gave people a better understanding of what I actually had and, and that way they could learn from it and, and just have a greater understanding, like I said, and be able to support or help in any way possible. You know, playing at Tulane, long snapping, academics wise, all of it together, what would you say some of the biggest accomplishments you walked out of there with were? The thing that I'm most proud of with really any accomplishment I've ever had is being named team captain during my senior season. And that's really stands out to me and I'll explain why. So after my sophomore year when I played for the first time, my coaching staff got fired because we went three and nine the first two years I was there. And a new staff came in and Coach Fritz came in and he was unsure if I could play. I was unsure if they were going to give me an opportunity. We sat down together and we said, let's do spring ball and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, we'll come back and sit down here again. We'll, if we have to have this discussion again, we will. I out, you know, put in the work, showed him I could outwork everyone else on the team. And two years later, I was named a team captain during our season. And just that's the thing I'm most proud of because I shaped his opinion of me. He had, you know, he wasn't sure at first, I wasn't sure, and I showed the coaches, I showed my teammates that I could be a leader and put in the work that everyone else was doing and help work. Yeah, and as a motivational speaker, you talk about planning and executing, you know, setting a goal and then chasing that goal. What advice could you give me or to anyone listening that, you know, has this big goal that's on a very big platform and that could take time but not getting discouraged over time and working towards that goal? When you create a plan, the longer you wait on that plan, the less likely you are to act on it. And so people who make a plan and then wait a few weeks or a few months or whatever, don't accomplish their goals, plain and simple. Come up with an idea and then just take action on it. It doesn't need to be a perfect plan. Create a decent plan and then just do something about it because then you're more likely to follow through. And it doesn't need to be a ton. Just take small steps today to lead to that big goal. And so going on that, have massive goals for yourself. And so I'll go into myself for a second. One of my goals is to be one of the world's most renowned speakers, one of the top speakers of all time. And that's not going to happen today or tomorrow. Maybe 10 years from now, I will be one of the most recognizable and the most sought after speakers in the world. And that's my goal. But in order to get to that enormous and massive goal, I need to break it down to segments of what I can do now. And what I think of is the only thing you can really control at a time is a 90 day span. And so at the beginning of every single quarter of the year, I map out what are my 90 day goals and I figure out where do I want to be in 90 days? How can this, how can 90 days from now lead me this much closer to becoming one of the top speakers in the world? From there, I say, all right, let's break that down to 30 day sprints. And I say, what are the goals and the smaller tasks I need to accomplish in those 30 days? From there, every single week and every day, I plan on my weeks and I time block my days into segments to accomplish my goals and I have non-negotiable things I have to do every single day. And they're not massive things. They're, you know, create something on Instagram, DMX and I'm yeah. X amount of people, you know, things like that small tasks that you can do on a daily basis. And those add up over time and lead to the, that massive goal. 
And so breaking things down like that, I think is so important and things that most people don't do. But when you track it and you actually fall through with it, it compounds over time and leads to a ton. Definitely. I think time, patience, you know, you know, you got to be eager, but still patient. And another thing I want to touch on is controlling the controllables. I've heard you talk on this before, especially in the state of our country and the world right now with the pandemic, the coronavirus going on. You know, there's not much we can control right now. And a lot of people are in some bad situations, whether it be with their job, the virus or whatever it may be. How do you not let the uncontrollables dictate, you know, the future? Look, I mean, there's there's only a certain amount of things that you can control. I couldn't control being legally blind. I can't control what's going on in the world with, with COVID. But what I can control is my actions and how I take action and proceed because of that. And so a lot of people in the beginning of quarantine, when COVID happened, said, oh, this sucks. I'm going to sit at home and watch Netflix and, and hang out and do nothing and just relax. All right, cool. That's fine. What I did is I said, awesome. I'm going to time block my days from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. And I'm going to be 12 months ahead in three months from now because I have all this extra time. Most people at the end of three months in quarantine were either a year ahead or a year behind. And if you choose to control what you can do and you can control your time and take action on the time that you have, you can accomplish anything you want. You can't control the fact that the country shut down. You can't control the fact that you're legally blind. What you can control is what you do about that, how you impact the lives of others, how you portray yourself, what you set your goals to be, what, how you act on those goals. And that's really what I like to focus on. Yeah, I like that. And I think a lot is mentally. I think if you can control your mental capacity and keep your mind right in the right place, you could get yourself further and further and, you know, get things done and be more positive. What would you say to someone who has a positive mindset like myself, but sometimes lets it slip into a negative outlook? How do you get yourself to recontrol and bring yourself back into that positive mindset? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is understanding that no one's perfect. Nothing. It's okay to feel negative. It's okay to have a bad day or a bad week. That's fine. It's about how you change that and create, create good habits from your bad habits. And so I'll give you a real life example. So last Thursday, I think it was, you know, I just wasn't as productive. I let my time control me instead of me controlling my time. And that's fine. It doesn't happen a ton. I'm usually very good about time blocking and and, you know, my gaps in between my calls, I'm really good about filling in with my non-negotiables. But, you know, it just wasn't my best day and I let it get away from me. But, you know, what? I recognized that at the end of the day. And I said, wow, you know, today was not as good as it could have been. What can I do tomorrow on Friday to fix that? And instead of sulking about it and saying, oh, I didn't get this, this and this done, I said, oh, that's fine. You know, what? let's just not let it happen again. Let's fix this. And, you know, I believe that failing and not succeeding is really good because it teaches you and you can learn from it. Failing is only a bad thing when you don't learn from your mistakes. And so if I make a mistake, I learn from it. I, I enjoy it. I'm not going to make that same mistake again because I learned from it. I may make another one the next day, but it'll be different and I'll learn from it. So that's really how I think about that. Definitely. I think life is a learning game. And if no, like you said, nobody's perfect. You got to have your slip ups and your mistakes in order to get better and move forward and learn from those mistakes and better yourself. I want to tie back in here to the football aspect and about the NFL free agency. Tell me about how that was going from, you know, college and trying to make your way into the NFL. 
what the process was like and some of the challenges you faced. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so after my senior year, I still wanted to play and, you know, I was training for it and, and really getting ready for my pro day. Uh, flew out to San Diego for a little bit, trained with legendary kicker John Carney and, and had a good time out there and came back for my pro day. And honestly, did really well in my pro day. Um, snapped really well, lifted really well. Just It went well. And I was talking to a few teams and, you know, it just, it's a process, especially the specialist is a long snapper, a kicker, a punter. There's 32 guys, and if the guy in the team doesn't get hurt, they don't bring in a new guy. If they don't get hurt or really screw up. And so, you know, I had job offers on the table. I knew kind of what I wanted to do after football. And it was just, it, it wasn't the right path for me anymore. And I accepted that. And that's okay. You know, it's okay yeah. to transition or pivot in life. Uh, just because you have one goal today doesn't mean a year from now you're going to have that same goal. You know, my goal for a while was to play in the NFL. Today, my goal is to be a top speaker. You know, it just it, things shift. When I was in college, I did interviews, a ton of interviews, but I didn't have any interest in being a speaker or really sharing my story outside of what the school wanted me to do. And, you know, throughout the years, I've changed, and now that's what I want to do. So things change over time. Your goals change. Your ambition changes. What you really want to do changes. 100%. I also saw a picture, the visor. Tell me about that, that visor. That thing was swaggy. That was a process. And so I actually, it's, it's a fun fact. I am the only player in college football history that's allowed to wear a tinted visor and there will probably wow. never be another unless another legally blind athlete goes in because we had to jump through a million hoops and get it approved for me to wear a tinted visor because it would help reduce the glare for me. Um, and, and that's true. So I, I, I had a tinted dark black visor that I would wear, you know, when it was really sunny out. And then one day someone from the equipment staff was like, Hey, we have this blue visor in, um, want to throw it on for like pictures during this? I was like, absolutely. And I don't think I actually ever wore it in a game. No, I think I did wear it in one game. I think I was just like, screw it. Why not? Um, you know, it was fine. The dark one was better, but it was really fun just to wear it once or twice. Yeah. The NCA, I don't understand some of the rules that they make. Cause they used to be allowed back in like the, the nineties where they would let players wear them. Like I remember players from the U were, were repping them Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. But then they, they ban them and don't see what, what what's so bad about wearing a visor. Yeah, I think their reason is because if you get knocked out or something, they want to be able to see your eyes and see everything that's going on. Uh, you know, my reasoning for getting it was, A, it reduces the glare and helps me see. And the second reason was, well, my right eye is, is blind anyways. So you can't really see into that anyways. So yeah. me having your visor there isn't going to help you if I get knocked out. So just cut it off if you need to <laughs> if I'm unconscious. Like yeah. That. We got it approved. It was a pain, but we dealt with it. Yeah. Well, Aaron, man, I thank you for joining us. It's been a, a great conversation. I look forward to, to getting this out to our, our viewers and our listeners, and I'll definitely keep in touch, and best of luck moving forward, my man. Definitely think you could reach that goal of being a top speaker. Look forward to seeing you carry out your journey and making your way to the top. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to staying in touch and, and really appreciate it. Can't wait to watch this podcast. All right, my brother. Stay safe out there. Talk to you soon. You too. All right, that wraps up this podcast episode. A short one, but a good one. Go check Aaron out on Instagram, Aaron J. Golub, and subscribe to his podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Blind Ambition. But until next week, it's your boy, J. Dose, a.k.a. Jimmy Jernigan, signing off. 2020, I came to fuck it up, yeah I want a long life, a legendary one I want a quick death and an easy one I want a pretty girl